The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Good morning to Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How's it going? I'm very well. Now, you famously now have contracted uh, COVID. How are you? Oh, back to normal, Pat. Much better. The vaccine did its job, let's put it that way. In my mind, Pat, I could see an army of immune troops in my lungs, you see, protecting my lungs. So luckily, it was very mild, you know. The, the symptoms like that's a, that's a cold, really, a few sniffles, a little bit of coughing. But about two days ago, actually, I felt really back to my old self, so it's pretty good. Now, uh, the, the way you caught it, you were deemed a close contact and then you antigen tested. And what did that test tell you? Yeah, exactly. So it was a few, a few days ago now, I did my second antigen test. The HSE sent me out the test, of course, because my close contact identified me. And the second test came up positive. I would have gone to work that day, Pat, by the way, because I had no symptoms, really, you know. And yet again, it just shows you the power, as I said, of antigen testing. It kept me home, you know. And then I got the PCR then, I think it was on Saturday, and then positive on Sunday. So basically the system worked for me. It stopped me spreading the virus, which was great. And then, as I say, I had my booster. Ironically, uh, the day before I tested positive, I had the booster shot. Now, maybe that helped a little bit. Who knows, you know? Uh, But certainly my immune system protected me because of the vaccination is the way I see it. So so it's it's a good example of things working, really, you know? Yeah. Um, So you don't know whether you had Omicron or Delta? I don't, but looking at the stuff on the web and so on, but the symptoms look more like Omicron, to be honest, because I had no effect on my taste or smell, for example. You know, a dry cough is a feature of Omicron. Now, it can be with Delta as well, mind you, a bit of fatigue on the Sunday. So if you were to convince yourself, you'd say, oh, those symptoms are consistent with Omicron, you see. So maybe it was Omicron. Yeah. And I wouldn't surprise me, Pat, by the way, if it was, because as, as we've been discussing for the last few days, this will now be the main the main variant yeah. in Ireland, and it's going to grow and grow and grow. You know, we're looking at a massive wave of Omicron coming towards us. And I may have been yeah. at the start of that wave, you see. I, I don't know whether you heard the hard shoulder yesterday, but uh, Dr. Angelique Kurtzi, the chair of the South African Medical Association, practicing GP based in Pretoria, she was talking to Sinead Ryan on the hard shoulder about uh, how the symptoms of Omicron differ from those of Delta. Have a listen to this. And the symptoms, the symptoms is, you know, what they were complaining about, and I'm quite sure it would be in all the other countries the same. It's the body ache and pain or the myalgia, the headache, as well as the, um, the tiredness, the fatigue. They, you know, you just want to sleep. And you can have a bit of a sore throat, but it's more a scratchy type of thing. And the cough is more also a dry, dryish type of cough. And that's about it that you would um, normally present. There will be no loss of smell or any of the um, or taste or any of the, the, the high, uh, low oxygen levels or the uh, tachycardia, that's the elevated pulse that we normally see with the Delta. And none of that would be there. Okay, so uh, Luke, that's based on there a few weeks ahead of us with this Omicron thing and, uh, you know, no loss of taste and smell, bit of a dry cough. And uh, she said later that they only treated with ibuprofen or, or paracetamol, no massive yeah. drugs. Well, perhaps I hadn't heard that actually. That's exactly what I had, strangely. I had a bit of a dry cough, you know, a bit of fatigue was a feature. So that, that sounds consistent with my experience. So it wouldn't surprise me, as I say as if I had Omicron. And there's a very interesting study that actually came out yesterday. It seems as if Omicron doesn't really infect the lungs. Now, if this turns out to be true, it'll be superb, obviously, you know. It can infect what's called the bronchus. That's the tubes 
that connect your windpipe to your lungs. It can affect that tissue. But the study showed it wasn't very good in fact in the lungs, unlike Delta, which can infect your lungs. Now, if that's true, that would be consistent with these more mild symptoms, you know. And again, it's an initial study. The usual caveats abound. But that would be consistent with a milder course, you see. And, and what I'm hearing overall is many people are hoping for the best with this, basically, because it, it could turn out to be very different. And yet we prepare for the worst, of course we do, because of this wave that's approaching. But it is getting the, the, the landscape is changing in terms of our knowledge of what this virus does to us. Now, uh, comparing us to South Africa, you know, it's not exact because it's summer there, it's winter here. Um, they didn't cope with their earlier waves as well as we did, so they did a lot of infection and therefore perhaps a lot of immunity. A younger population on average than ours here. Um, so you can't compare directly, but there are some straws in the wind. There are. That's very true. There's too many variables, really. I mean, their main advantage was the young population, for definite, you know. And as you say, Pat, they had a lot of infection there, and that might give rise to a different immune response to the vaccine, for instance. So it's quite hard to compare. We won't really know until we see it. The UK will tell us first. Once it gets into an older population, say, or a more vulnerable group, who knows? Now, we keep our fingers crossed and hope it isn't really severe, you know. But so far, I would say it's looking, it's still looking mild, let's put it that way, you know. And again, we just keep a very close eye on it. And as I say, prepare for the worst, just in case it is more severe, you know. Yeah. What do you make of that prediction that it could, worst case scenario, be 20,000 cases a day? It's, it's very hard to be accurate with these predictions. It must be said, Pat, as you know, there's too many unknowns, you know. I mean, again, we don't know how strong the immune response to it is. There's all these question marks. It could be that, though. They've had a go at it. They had to have some kind of go at predicting things, obviously. And again, they're looking at the worst-case scenario, one extreme, you know, and the more mild end. I mean, the truth is the hospitals would be concerned, there's no doubt. It's the sheer force of numbers is the worry part, isn't it? You know, so as we know, yeah. if we get a massive upsurge, just even if a tiny percentage gets sick, if there's a lot, lot of them, then that's going to put pressure on the system, isn't it? So I guess they're preparing for that, and that, that's the sensible thing to do. Now, why the boosters will work if they're not kind of tailored exactly to Omicron compared to their effectiveness with Alpha and Delta? Um, you can give us some science on that. Yeah, we have lots more information on the booster. I mean, what's great, Papa, though, did you see, Pat, yesterday, another piece of good news was we're eight in the world now for boosting Ireland. We really, the last few days, the ramp up is working, basically. So that's a good sign, isn't it? And let's hope that that continues. But now more and more data that the hundredfold increase in antibodies after boosting is holding up as a number. So you get a massive increase in antibody production. But even more promisingly, Pat, the quality of the antibody might be good. And as I've been saying a few times, the quantity is important, obviously. But again, a, a very recent study shows the antibodies are more diverse after boosting. What we call the repertoire broadens is the immune term for this. You get a bigger repertoire of antibodies. And then they're actually turning out to be slightly stronger than we would have thought, you know. So in other words, the booster will could have a double effect. One is it'll increase the amount of antibody, but also maybe make the antibody slightly better against Omicron. That's the hope there. And yet again, the evidence is so compelling now that... Uh, that boosting is the way to protect against Omicron and indeed any variant. So the case grows. And then the final part, Pat, as you know, is these, these T cells, the other key part of the immune system. They're strongly activated by the booster as well. So, so again, that gives us grounds for optimism that as we approach Christmas and, and we've got older and vulnerable people boosted, it will give them lots of protection, you know, and all the evidence yeah. in the, in, from an immunology point of view would support that, you know. Yeah, and it's not necessarily protection from infection, it's protection from getting very sick, uh, yeah. being hospitalised or being put into intensive care. So uh, that, that that's the great news about the vaccines and the boosters. One of our listeners, very quick to uh, come in with the question, 
ask Luke, how quickly does that booster kick in? Are you covered immediately or does it take a few weeks to build back the immunity? It probably starts immediately. So as soon as it's in, the immune system begins to wake up, you know. And as I say, in my case, it was a couple of days after my booster may have helped me, you know. But certainly day seven is when it's really in, you know. So to be on the safe side, I would say wait seven days. Or not wait, but at least be aware of that. That once you're seven days post-boosting, then you're going to have all these massive antibodies and T-cells in your body. And that will give you the optimum protection. And the protection's high, Pat. Remember, uh, again, the other studies this week have shown you're getting back to 90, 95% protection and decreased risk of hospitalization post-boosting, you see. It had, it had gone down to 70, 60, 50%, you see, before boosting. But now with boosting, it's back up to 90. But day seven is the one to keep an eye on. That gives you the maximum protection from then on then, you know. Now, riddle me this. Uh, what about uh, people in the same household? One gets infected, others have been in close proximity and do not. What's going on? Yeah, that, that's a well-known thing. But the often people, oh, I, I, I was infected and then nobody else got infected in my house. And it's really interesting, wasn't, isn't it, why that happens? And again, a big study has just come out on healthcare workers in the UK who were in that situation, who didn't get infected, but who should have, really, because they'd lost the contact with someone who was infected. And guess what, Pat? It was the T-cells again. I mean, this seems to be becoming the recurring theme. The T-cells are so important. In those people, they had a much stronger T-cell response. So the T-cell response seemed to protect them then from infection. And again, a big, diverse range of T-cells. And there was a suspicion, Pat, that they might have had T-cells from previous coronaviruses, you know, that kind of reacted with the SARS-CoV-2. This cross-protection thing might have been part of it, you know. But again, it seemed to come down to the T-cell numbers were correlating with protection against infection if you're a close contact over a number of days. And then, as I say, the focus has shifted back towards T-cells. And that, what that, what's happening there, Pat, is, by the way, it's, it's confirming the Omicron stuff in a way that a good T-cell response could, could really save us against Omicron. Yeah. And that sort of data would be consistent with that, you know. I was looking at stuff that Professor Robert Dingwall uh, said yesterday. In He said Londoners with cold symptoms are actually more likely to have covid that's according to Professor Dingwall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's right. It's so, so common now. It's become the commonest cause of the... Ultimately, could become a more common cause of the common cold. You see, it's so widespread. And that, that'd, be, uh, that'd be correct, yeah. Now, you got your booster and then you uh, tested positive a couple of days later. So people are wondering, suppose I have had two vaccinations and I have already been infected with COVID, but I don't know anything about it. And then I get a booster. Are there any consequences? No, they don't seem to be. The immune system is very, very uh, robust, remember. It can respond to lots of things all the time, really, you know. So there's no, no need to fear a booster once you've been infected and been vaccinated. If anything, that's a, that's a quadruple shot, remember, kind of, you know, because obviously yeah. you've had three stimulations of your immune system, and there'll be a fourth one, and you get an even stronger response. So, And I'm kind of I'm in that category. I've had, I've had my two shots, had my booster, and I've been infected. I've had like four shots in a strange way, you know. So again, yeah. that would give even more protection, basically. Now, whether they allow the infected people to get the booster sooner is the big question, because as you know, there was a time limit put on that. Yeah, six months it, six it is, months. they're saying yeah. at the moment, wait till six months after your infection before you get a booster. But then they brought uh, boosters back to three months universally uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. So uh, things change. They do, and I would press for that with these people. Three months should be the, the time limit after infection as well. You see, there's a risk the infection wasn't that strong, say, and it doesn't act as a boost then, you know. So the booster is more reliable as a way to get the immune system going. So the sensible thing, again, with there would be to allow people who've been infected to get boosted three months post-infection. 
Yeah. Uh, another one here. I had J and J in May. I've heard I've little or no protection. Should I now receive two doses of Pfizer? Well, not initially. No, one dose. You might you might get a third dose. Obviously, then that would be the way to think of that one. It wouldn't surprise me if they give J and J a second shot and then a booster later. That'd be that's a sensible thing to do. But get get your second shot as soon as you're offered it. Is, is the message there really? Okay. Uh, my daughter was notified as a close contact on Monday. She's two years old, unvaccinated, therefore. When dropping her off, the minder failed to mention that her own daughter had been symptomatic uh, the Thursday prior and was being tested. Both my minder and her daughter are now confirmed positive. We are trying to save my daughter's Christmas as we are very safe, fully vaccinated, but this has put everything up in the air. We're trying to establish how long we should wait to get my daughter tested as we are conscious of the incubation period. Can you ask, Luke, how many days we should wait after exposure before getting my daughter a PCR test. We've checked the HSE website and called the helpline, but we can't get a straight answer. Oh, I'd say as soon as possible. I mean, certainly if, if the symptoms there, definitely, you know, get tested immediately, really, just to confirm it. Take an antigen test as well, by the way. I mean, the antigen tests are really holding up, but it's amazing how accurate they are. And again, in my case, I hate to talk about my own situation. It came up immediately that the band was in the window within like three seconds, you know. And it's a really yeah. good way to show if you're positive or not. And, and, and as we know, very high success when it's spotting positives. So in that situation, I'd recommend an antigen test there. And then if it's positive, go for the PCR. Yeah. And then given that it's uh, themselves and the two-year-old uh, trying to save her Christmas, if she does test positive, you can kind of test her, do an antigen test every day. Yeah, and you yeah. find out when she's not infectious anymore. Yeah, pre- precisely. I mean, that, that's the message really is to test, as, as you said earlier, test, test, test with these antigen tests. I know there's a cost implication, of course, and they should be free, really, shouldn't they, in my view, you know, to make them more readily available, I guess. But uh, the testing is the way to check for this, obviously. Yeah. Now, if you do happen to be diagnosed with uh, COVID and you are maybe vulnerable, there is uh, that Pfizer drug, Paxlovid, which you have talked about before, and we now have science. We do now. That, I mean, there's great news on this part, really. It's the best news I've seen in the last couple of days in some ways because they've just released all their data, Pfizer, and it's very impressive, it must be said. And, and for me, this is our big hope next year, by the way, when this drug becomes available, it will really repress the virus hugely, you see. And the data is superb. I mean, as we saw from the first round of information, there was an 89% decreased risk of hospitalisation. That's held up now, and they've given us a bit more. So if you take the tablets, let, let's, let's start with that. They are tablets. If you take them within three days of symptoms starting, it's 89% decreased risk of hospitalization. If you take them five days after, it's 88%, which is pretty good. Our worry there was, how do you get them in quickly enough, you know? But it turns out even five days after symptoms, there's a big protection against hospitalization. And I've got the p-value for you, Pat, it's 0.0001. That's how statistically significant yeah. the trial was. Another number they gave us was that there's a 94% protection in the over 65. So it goes even higher. And they're the vulnerable group, obviously, you know. And then the, the third thing was, or whatever, um, there was a tenfold decrease in viral load if you started taking them. So it really does kill the virus, which was superb. Very good. And then the last part, which is really important, it worked against Omicron. I mean, that, that's, we wanted to see that. Now, again, that was in a test tube. It was um, the protease. These, these things are called protease inhibitors. They block an enzyme called a protease in the virus. And, and it, it really worked against all the proteases across maybe seven variants, you see. So, so therefore, this will work against Omicron. And can you imagine if you had a tenfold decrease in your viral load? It's superb. Effect. And Absolutely. And it's 90% plus protection in the hospital. So you can see now how, how we're so... 
sort of looking forward now to that drug being made available. And here's a funny one for you, Pat. I know someone in Pfizer. And he obviously saw the news, I was sick, and he said, do you want some Paxlovid? He said to me, he was, he was joking, now, mind you, you can't really get it to me. He was in America, you know. But I said, yeah, can you send me some? Because I would take you. The safety profile was superb. They released all their safety data as well. It seems to be a very safe drug, too. So, mm. so in other words, we've now seen all that data, and, and it's holding up from what they said initially, which is great to see. Mm. Um, finally, Luke, the, the advice you'd give, you know, people are going to be trying to meet family and try to do it safely. Um, is it test, test, test? Someone else wanted to know, do you have any lingering positivity on an antigen test like you do with PCR? Or is the antigen test definitive that when it shows negative, that means you're no longer infectious? Yeah, the, the, the PCR lingers. I mean, you can get a positive PCR for weeks and weeks. It's remnants of the virus, you see. And and as you know, Pat, the PCR amplifies that massively, so you'll, you'll boost, as it were, the signal from the PCR. Test. Antigen is, is not like that. There's no amplification with the antigen test. I think there is some evidence, though, it can linger when, when all your symptoms are gone. You know, there's, a, there's kind of a risk of that. So I'm going to find out myself, to be honest. I tested positive yesterday, so I'll test again tomorrow and see. Um, but it's less likely to come off the antigen test, really, is the view overall there, you know. And I think um, on, on the broader question, people have to enjoy Christmas, haven't they, Pat? I think all this fear... Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't help anybody, does it? You know, the great the great phrase I saw is we have to learn how to wait and not to panic with Omicron. You know, so I think people should be able to mix and again just follow the guidelines. You need to be sensible and restricted a bit, obviously, and restrict your socialising. But you should plan for something of an enjoyable Christmas. Will be my view. And get every, everyone to test if you're going to have a big bunch yeah, of test people. Exactly, test if, the whole time. If everyone right. shows negative, I, I saw that Rob Carney uh, on honeymoon. His uh, his uh, now wife uh, was on social media saying they tested positive on the honeymoon and and of course it might explain some of the Leinster team uh, testing positive because a few of those would have been at of course they would have been at their pal's wedding so it just shows how infectious all of this is Luke um, get better soon although you're already better by the sound of you (laughs) so thanks thanks very much for joining us Uh, that's Luke O'Neill Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin